0: You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September, It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. Welcome,
1: welcome, welcome to another episode of Honey Hole Hangout. This is episode 140?
2: Yes. I
1: think it's 140. And today at the table, we have myself. I'm Landon. To my right, we have Zach Harris. Hello. To Zach Harris is right, we have Zach Adair. Hello. And to Zach can't Adair say that. right. That
2: was my answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Howdy. And,
1: and to Zach Adair's right, we have our good friend Steve Ramirez. Hello. Steve. It's good to have you back, Steve. It is. It's, it's always good to joy. be back. This is uh, the third episode that you've done with us, and you're the only th- three-time guest.
3: Well, that's what happens when you let me know where you live.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, but when we get to
4: five, that we have to get him a jacket. Ooh. Yeah.
1: We might yep. be able to pull something. You got to keep writing books.
3: Well, I've got the fourth one on the way. Right. Yeah, tell us about that. Already? Yeah, that already. We're <laughs> jumping yeah. right into that, it. That wow. was
1: like a perfect transition. We might as well roll with it.
3: That's true. Okay, well, the fourth book in the casting series with Lion's Press is underway. I've written the first chapter in draft. and I'm about to take off on a, a whole lot of traveling. And Which I
1: know that you love.
3: Hate the traveling. Love, love the fishing and the people. Uh, it's not fun being on planes anymore. But, um, yeah, I'll be spending at least a week up in Alaska with Bob White, my buddy Bob White. we we'll spend some time up in northern Rockies and then some in the upper Midwest, Minnesota, Wisconsin area I love so much. And uh, classic waters of the northeast. And that'll be book four. And I'm not going to tell anybody the secrets are going to be in this book, but... It's pretty good. More to come. Yeah. It's pretty good it early as I'm excited about it.
1: What's your uh, timeline <laughs> for
3: I gave myself a lot of time. I'm not planning on taking it all. So I okay. get, I get to set my own time. I always pick a special date special to me like the Marine Corps birthday November 10th. And that's what I did this time but But would, of
1: the following year, right? Of 2024. Four. It'll yep. be it'll
3: be done before then. Okay. Theoretically. Yeah. Um there's a lot to writing a book. It's you know just Before I even take the trips, I've done tons of research and then all the logistics of putting it together, going to a place like Alaska. There's a lot to put together. And then you have the experience. you, You kind of decide what the experience means and how it plays out. You write it, you rewrite it, you write it again, you edit it again. And once you get to the point where it's all ready to go, then you still have production. So I've been putting out a book every two years with Lion's Press, and that's a pretty fast clip. Traveling thousands of miles by plane, train, automobile, boat, and foot, and horseback.
1: And horseback. Sometimes. All right, so so we're going to talk to Steve a little bit more (laughs) later about his third book, which was just released and some other fun projects that he's got going. But first, today uh, we are drinking a couple things. Steve's drinking beer. How is it? It's really good. Yeah. You're also drinking beer. hmm
0: hmm
1: Thumbs up. Thumbs up, yeah. And then we also have mead on the table. <coughs> yeah. Have you tried it yet, Zach? Yeah.
2: What do you think? Uh, it's not bad. Did you try some? Not yet. Isn't that what Winnie the Pooh drinks? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty much.
2: Always <Probably> so. Now, time he lets you just sit in this cave. It, <laughs> it smells, smells good. Perfect. Oh, No. I've got some craft for something in mine. <laughs> Probably cat here. I'm just gonna drink, drink I was gonna it. No, don't
4: drink it.
1: Go ahead.
2: do
4: no, We don't know what it's gonna do to the, the the plant poke. Hopefully, it still has some of that medicine. <laughs> the cat. You had. know what it's it smells <laughs>
1: like honey and white wine.
4: Yeah, it smells like a, It smells like a white wine. You know that was way. And it tastes
1: like almost like white wine.
4: It it almost tastes like um like sake, but with like a little bit of honey flavor too.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know.
1: It's good. I like it.
2: That was way m- s- more smooth than I expected it to be. What did you expect? Well, not smooth. It's not like I was expecting a burn or a, or a like a, a st- I don't know a sting or whatever. That's but it like was percent. Well, no, not even that. I guess smooth is the wrong word, but it, like it did not taste like it had alcohol in it. It tastes more like a I don't know some fancy Starbucks drink or something. Like it was really sweet and really almost. It's just sound weird, but like cr- creamy. Is that, do you guys no, no, it is. There's it? like a velvety yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. A, there you there's go. There's a texture. Yeah, it. that's yeah. how
3: it sneaks up on you, and you have enough of it, you're gonna feel like jousting. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I have so, expected
1: this to have like you know, like you every medieval movie you see is like big thing of foam. Yeah. On top of the meat. <clears throat> no, it's pr- it's a
2: wine. It yeah, it's a wine. So it's a wine, right? And we normally finish the wine bottle. Here lately. Are we supposed to finish this one? Well, it's only 12%. We could easily finish it. We could finish it. No, I'm just asking. I don't know if you want well, to... Well, I don't know how
1: long. Wine only lasts <coughs> a couple of days in the bottle. I opened that two days ago, so I think we're oh, obligated to finish it. Today's probably
4: the day we got to finish it then.
1: I think we're obligated to yeah. finish it.
2: We have to do a duty to the mead. It's a duty to the mead. <laughs> that sounds duty like to the mead. <laughs> That sounds like a video well, <coughs> game chapter. A chapter from Elden Ring. Duty to the mead. <laughs> 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 the... the
1: the reason I wanted to try mead is because I've actually been thinking about trying to make mead. Oh. And
4: Called the, the deal
1: hole. with McKenna was that you can't make something that you've never tried before. So I bought the mead to try it to see if I would be interested in making it. Yeah, that
2: this is
4: I <coughs> think yeah. this could be a so new you favorite mead master. A mead master, yeah, sure. That would be cool, making mead in your garage. Yeah. It's pretty easy. Yeah, it's literally like water and honey.
1: Water, honey, bacteria. Yeah. Are you going to grow a ponytail? And time.
2: No. <laughs> start, start sharpening. No, he's, he's just doing the, the rat tail. Start the sharp, rat tail. sharpening axes on your free time.
1: No, I'm going to do the Jedi uh, strip down, you know. Oh, yeah. Please. <laughs> it's not a
2: full ponytail. It's yeah, just, just enough. A, just enough. Yep. Oh, shop exclusively at Walmart. How you do that?
1: The timing couldn't be more perfect because I talked to my dad today and they're getting bees. Ooh. And I tried beekeeping, so I was like, this came at a perfect time because I've makes. been thinking about making mead for, like, a month, and the most expensive part is the honey. <coughs> yeah. So.
4: But if you make it out of San Antonio. Yeah, that'd be cool. Honey, then you can also be like, it's an a- it's a anti-allergen, you know? Yeah. Because, like you know, how bees, like yeah, if, if honey
1: is supposed to help if you eat local honey. Right. it's Supposed to help with your because allergies
4: because it gets you conditioned to the pollens that are in your area. Yeah, so, are po- you saying we sh- honey growers say that? Yeah, we should. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was about to say <laughs> <this> <laughs> gotta, it's got to be
2: true. Does it actually work? Has anybody tried that? I don't know it's a big old whiff of a. I would love it day. if it
3: did. Have you ever seen a beast? Deez. <laughs> 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 you know what, Steve? I have it. There's haven't. your proof, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I guess you're right. I'm going to. I think start. I just
1: need to drink more meat and see if my allergies are better. Well, well God, it has it? to
2: be San Antonio made meat, though, Yeah, with like honey from here. So
1: I need to make my own. Mead with honey from here.
4: Yeah, yeah. My my question is, how is it with ice? Because it feels a bit like you just put ice in either beer or wine. Well, on the bottle it said it no needs
1: no. it needs to be slightly chilled.
4: Oh, so you didn't think oh. about putting it in like the fridge or the freezer? No, uh, I well, thought okay.
1: about leaving it on the counter and then pouring <laughs> ice in my cup, yeah. whatever. So
4: I actually, when we all have hallucinated, like we're all hallucinating tonight. It's, it's good chilled of the mead just being on the counter for a couple of days. It's good chilled.
0: Oh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: i'll just sleep on the couch <laughs> <laughs> we won't know if it's that or the plant
2: oh yeah i didn't
4: think about that
1: oh. is your leg okay zach tell us what happened you keep itching it and complaining and you keep like, whining about it so a bit let's tell like, all the listeners what's going on
2: i got bit by a leaf <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Some I was at work today and some plant it you know, it looked like I keep saying agave. I don't even think I know exactly what agave looks like, but that's what it looked like and it poked me and it was fine. And then a couple hours ago I noticed my leg was really sore. And it's like so it's on the side of my knee, I guess, like the bottom side of my knee. And the pain like wraps around behind my knee. We'll see what happens. His vein is also thicker on that side now, too, if you compare it to his other knee. Yeah, it, it feels like, I don't know what it feels like. It's, like, not, it, it feels like a pulled a muscle. Now, granted, I was also up and down a ladder a lot today, so it could just be a coincidence. Maybe I did hurt my leg going up and down the ladder. Who knows? We'll see. I'll let
3: you guys know tomorrow morning. What plant did you say that <laughs> was, Steve,
1: that you thought it might be?
3: Uh, Spanish bayonet. A Spanish bayonet. Mm-hmm. It could be. You know anything, yeah, like the you'll, devil's you, dagger, yeah, you'll find out <laughs> 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 when, you, when, when, you're <laughs> when you're being fitted for your peg leg, yeah. <laughs> yeah. hey, as long as I can unscrew
2: it and fill it with some of this meads <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be I think that'd be appropriate,
1: so Zach Adair. <laughs> You <coughs> had an eventful Easter weekend. Yeah. I'm excited to hear this soccer story that we pushed off until the oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's, let's okay. roll into that.
4: All right. So uh, you guys know I have season tickets to SAFC. And when we're there, there's a guy who tailgates probably a little too hard because then he always ends up in his seat like 15 or 20 minutes into the match. And he's always a little loud, and he wants everybody to start doing chants. That people are like, eh, that's like – it's not a really good chant. He just he'll just like sit there and just like think of the first song that comes to his mind and be like, No, 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 no. No, 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 Like he'll make this motion, like, hey, come on everybody, <laughs> join in. We all know <laughs> the song, you know? And then like <laughs> a minute later, he'll be like, Okay, what's another one? What's another one? Uh no, 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 no! You sound like homeless. <laughs> a little bit, and, and um, so like, and, and the section that we're in is really cool. It's a, it's the end zone behind the goalie. It's like everyone's there, really passionately really into it. And so we all pass around uh, little yellow cards, right, at uh, at the beginning of the match, so we can like, you know, give the refs a hard time and players a hard time and stuff like that. And he has two giant ones, right? Like, I don't know. Probably, like, two feet by, like, a foot and a half, you know. A big <coughs> red card and a big yellow card, you know. And so he'll hold him up, and he's trying to get everybody to sign him and stuff. And then probably, like, the okay, the match was not refed till I think it should have been reffed. It ended up in a draw, so 0-0. Zero, zero. But there was a lot of, like, random calls and a lot of blown calls. And uh, so then all of a sudden... <laughs> we see this teenager start running across the field, and what does he have in his hand? None other than the big yellow card, right? So he's running, he's running, he's running, right? And he gets up to the ref, and he shoves the yellow card right in the ref's face, right? And so, like, security comes out, right? And the player's like, dude, that's not cool. Like, you're going to get us a, you're gonna get us even <laughs> worse, you know? And uh, then the guy's like, did you guys notice that yellow card out there? He was like... I convinced that kid to do that. (laughs) 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 (coughs) And so at that point, we're all like, oh, dude, that's like a kid, man. You you convinced him. He's like probably not going to be allowed to come back here (laughs) anymore. And so we got kind of quiet after that. But what was weird, though, is that the security didn't take him all the way off. They just took him to the sideline, and then he went right over to the other team and gave the yellow card to the manager <laughs> and the <laughs> players that were sitting in the row. And I was like, this is kind of awkward. Like, they need to get this guy out of here. But, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was eventful, to say the least.
1: So. It's sad that it ended in 0-0. Zero, zero.
4: Yeah, there's a lot of good shots, on, or a lot of good defense played, but also a lot of bad calls. So yeah. It is what it is. Still undefeated at home for over a year. So that's exciting.
1: Nice. Season ticket's worth it, then. Yeah.
2: And what is this again? Soccer? Yeah, SAFC. Okay. That's the one with the hexagons on the ball? Right? <laughs> <laughs> they don't, they don't oh. use the
4: hexagons anymore, man. Now it's just oh. like the patches. <coughs>
2: oh. <laughs> well, it used so to shows guns. how much I watch soccer. Yeah, I used guess. to see hexagons.
1: Oh. Zach, tell us about you uh, did some cooking over the weekend.
4: I did, so I smoked my first brisket. This is your very first brisket? First brisket ever made. Okay. Yep. So, you know, I was doing some research. I got a 14-pounder because I was supposed to have, like, eight people at Easter Sunday. And so uh, Saturday before the game, around 3 o'clock, I took it out, and I let it kind of come to room temperature for about an hour and a half. Then I seasoned it, or I trimmed it up, and I trimmed it pretty well. Um, And I seasoned it with, like, a coffee rub, Triggers coffee (coughs) rub. And then I put it on at 5 o'clock at 2.20, unwrapped, fat side up, you know. And then it cooked. And then the nice thing about the Traeger is even at the soccer match, I was, like, checking the temp, seeing how everything was cooking. I did tell Kendall one time because she didn't go with me, um, hey, just check the pellets. I'm not sure how fast we're going to burn through them going at 2.20, and it wasn't a b- an issue at all. And then – I was I set, like, three alarms throughout, like, Saturday night as I went to bed, thinking, like, oh, I'm going to have to pop up and check it because I may have to wrap it. Because those first few hours, it, like, is really climbing. Like, so much so, I'm like, oh, this thing's going to be done at, like, 11 o'clock at night, and I'm going to be here trying to keep a brisket warm and fresh for 12 <laughs> hours, you know. <coughs> and um, so it, it hit about 135, 140 right before I went to bed around midnight. And then it stalled, and the stall is real, you know, for a brisket. Like, everything kind of has, like, a little stall, like pork butt, ribs, where it's, like, for about an hour or so. It won't really kind of plateaus, and then it kind of finishes its cook. But at 140, it stalled, and it was, like, creeping up like, an hour, like a degree an hour, you know, f- probably from midnight until probably 6 or 7 a.m. And so at, in the middle of the night, I was just checking my phone, making sure it was good, it was good, it was going. But very, very slowly. And then um when I woke up at seven, it finally started to like re increase up to like one seventy. So I pulled it at one seventy, wrapped it in foil, and then popped it back on, bumped the temperature to two seventy five, and took it off about two and a half hours later. So right around ten fifteen I took it off.
1: How long did you let it rest for?
4: Two hours. Nice. Yeah, hour and a half. <coughs> so yeah, took yeah, I took it out at ten fifteen. We ate it at twelve fifteen. So yeah.
1: So if you had to rate your own brisket on a scale from one to ten,
4: Um, I would actually I'd probably give it a seven or eight out of ten. Like for the first time, it turned out fantastic. Um, The piece that we got, and now next time I go, I know I will look for when I buy a brisket, Um, the uh, what they call it, the flat and the tip or the point, whatever that that bigger piece is. That part I didn't get a a big enough one. You know, it was kind of like half hanging on, and so. It was still, it was still amazing. And the only thing too is because it was my first time, they recommend wrapping with foil really tightly. But when you do that, you steam a little bit of the bark, and so you don't have as much of that um, that texture that you get when you wrap in like pink butcher paper. And so it was a little, um, just a little soft on the bark. Like, it mm-hmm. still had the texture still had a little bit of crunch, but not what, well like, it was. I've know? always
1: wrapped in foil, but I've seen people wrap in paper. So I didn't know that was how it was going to turn out different, <coughs> though. Yeah,
4: so, but the thing is, though, when you wrap in foil, you get less direct heat, so you can bump your temperature and finish your cook in an hour and a half, versus when you wrap in butcher paper, you have to keep your temperature relatively close to where you were, because you don't want to burn it up, you know, and then you still have to kind of have a longer cook time with it. But you get to keep your bark. mm what a lot of people do though, is they will finish it, or they'll you know wrap it in foil. They'll finish it, and then when they rest it, they put it back in the butcher butcher paper, and it will kind of reabsorb and get that uh, that really crispy bark back. Hmm. So it was a success. Everybody loved it. Nice. Oh, I did cherry wood.
1: Okay, <coughs> is that your first time doing cherry on anything? Uh yeah. Yep. Do you feel like it made a difference?
4: I think so. Like the the outside had a nice. Uh, I mean, like the coffee rub is a little sweet, anyways. I don't know. I just we enjoyed it. I don't know
1: th- that I can tell a difference in wood when I cook things on the Traeger.
4: Really?
2: I think there's a. Th- there, it might just be more. You know. I think it's in. Placebo. I think it's in people's heads. Yeah. So I'm not super familiar with the Traeger and how it works. <laughs> it's the, it's the pellets that have all the flavor and everything, and I'm right, and they're not. They're like composite like not actual yeah, wood yeah like, they're like sawdust yeah, essentially okay, okay.
4: I don't know exactly <coughs> how they make them but what I think is they they press the those shavings together to yeah. make it okay okay
2: so it's i mean it's wood it's just not it is wood yeah yeah it's wood okay okay
1: we think
3: we think we don't know i was just thinking about except for you eating it at the end mm. it sounded like a story of someone having their first baby Oh, really? Yeah, it was a bit. 16 hours of labor and <laughs> Checking on it every hour yeah, I'll tell
4: my wife that I'll be like Hey no no don't worry I've been through this before <laughs> <laughs> just, just don't
2: Don't <laughs> tightly wrap Your newborn in tin foil <laughs> <laughs> and Don't eat it <laughs> and Don't eat it I forgot about that
0: Butcher Have paper's
1: okay though
2: Nice yeah, That counts rub. That's alright it's, yep. <laughs> it's soft
1: Burn cherry incense
4: <laughs> 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 In the hospital exactly. room Exactly yeah. And simba them with coffee. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh. <laughs> I told my wife for <laughs> the longest time that's inside tangent <laughs> for the longest time. She was like, We are not smearing the cake on each other on our on our wedding day. And I was like, I'm going to symbol you with that frosting. I <laughs> yeah. was like, the Middle of taking our picture. I'm going to take that icing right across your forehead. She was so mad. Honestly, I don't think she thought I was kidding until the day of the wedding. Because I brought it up like every day. I'd be like, just be ready. Have, have some backup makeup <laughs> for your
2: forehead. Did she have backup makeup?
4: I don't know if she did or not. She uh, probably did, but not for that reason.
2: Man. That's the only thing I look forward to about getting married. Symbling? Is throwing the cake or doing the cake. Maybe symbiating.
3: That's the only thing.
2: So far, yeah. It's cake. <laughs> you need to hold off. Until <laughs> <laughs> you figure out the better part's coming after the cake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we'll see what happens. There are oh. better parts. Oh, I believe you. I believe <laughs> you. <laughs> the oh. cake was the worst part. I hate cake. It, really? Oh, mm. man. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm a sucker for cake and cookies and mm. brownies and... Oh, I didn't say cookies or brownies. I said, hey, cake. Have you guys ever, you like peanut butter cookies? Off tangent. Yeah. Have you ever spread peanut butter on top of a peanut butter cookie? No, that's too much. Uh, I witnessed somebody doing that this past weekend, and it was, I had to try it, and it was pretty good. It was a lot of peanut butter, but not bad. It's like icing a peanut butter cookie. It could be too much of a good thing. <sighs> it depends on the good thing. Yeah. There's a couple good things I could think of that there's never too much of. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Zach, so uh, (laughs) Zach Harris. Mm. So you did some fishing this weekend.
2: Yep. Went and caught some largemouth.
1: I heard you were creeping on somebody else's spot.
2: Isn't that a bass? They're green (laughs) and they swim in the water. (laughs) 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 You're you're welcome. You're welcome, everybody. That's my favorite (laughs) sound clip ever. Creeping. Good. Good. I hope it stays there forever. Creeping on whose spot? So I saw in a group message that's that you were in somebody else's spot. Yeah, the whole city of New Braunfels spot. That's, yeah, we're creeping. Okay, it's okay. okay.
1: <laughs> go on, go on. So what happened?
2: Uh, well, I thought it would. Woke up. We woke up late because we stayed up late Saturday. We woke up and what? I thought, hey, let's t- take the rods and and go fish in land of park. It's not spot burning if it's land of park, right? We can. I would still think it's spot burning. Yeah. All right. We can just bleep all that out.
1: Anyway, go on. <laughs> that's, uh, that's up to our editor. We'll see what yeah, happens.
2: Yeah, yeah. um, anyway, so that was a mistake because it's Easter Sunday, and I didn't think about that. Uh, so we get out there, and, it, you know, it wasn't bad. There was a ton of people, though. Never seen that many people in one place to celebrate one holiday. Did it
1: you was, find any Easter eggs?
2: No. No, we drove around uh, to a different part of the park <laughs> to try to escape everybody so we mm. can cast without hooking a child. Yeah, it's like um, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Caught some fish. Caught some bass. They're green, and they <laughs> swim in the water. <laughs> I am so sorry, everybody. <laughs> Landon can explain that one. That's that's his favorite story. Um, yeah, we caught some bass. It was cool. Um that's her second bass. They're so green. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no. think this is going to get old. No. Okay. So that so one actually scared me a little
1: bit. <laughs> no. not <that laughs> going to So, <laughs> for our confused listeners, Zach, Harris, and I on Saturday got together and we filmed a bunch of fly tying videos. And I was testing out some new microphones to see how the audio sounded. <laughs> and uh, I basically said... Today, we're going to be tying the bass popper. They're green,
2: and they swim in the water.
1: (laughs) To catch bass. They're green, and they swim
2: in the water. And
1: Zach's response to that was, on the mic check... They're green, (laughs) and they swim in the water. So, I thought it was a classic... uh, I thought that was a great sound clip, so I pulled it, and we're going to use it on the podcast. Every time
2: someone says the word bass... They're green, and they <laughs> swim in the water. Zach is going to hit the button. To yeah. be fair, I'm going to try to say this really fast so we only have to hear it once, but you did say, hey, guys, welcome to Honey Hole. I'm with Zach Harris. We're tying a bass popper to fly fish for bass on the They're top They're green, you said and something? they swim in the water. I <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. only had it once. Uh, so no, I what thought, I said I was partially were, ridiculous as well. Uh, and I was, it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. It was kind of like uh, uh World, what was it? The World Fly Fishing Championships on the fly for bass, <laughs> fly fishing, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, anyway, yeah. So there you go.
4: Yeah, okay, you, so you caught a fish. You caught a fish.
2: No, she caught fish. Yeah. I mean, I caught. Well, okay. I caught one. She outfished you. She outfished me. That's she caught the got bigger fish. In. Yeah, it's okay though, because that's her second bass in her life. So that's they're green I mean. and they <laughs> swim in the water. <laughs> It's her second large green sunfish. (laughs) 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 So that's really all that mattered to me is that she was catching them. So something new for her. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. I don't know how how she enjoys it. Bass fishing gets boring. I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but gets you didn't do it. It's too late now. Yeah, it's now. It'd be Uh, awkward now if I did it. Yeah, I don't know bass fish. Maybe they're it, green and they <laughs> swim in the water. That's, I think that might actually get old. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, that was cool. It was fun. Good. Yeah. So, anyway, Back to you, Landon. On
1: Saturday, we tied some flies. Yeah,
2: we tied. We spent. Gosh, what was it like? Five hours. Five following? hours making some videos, making trying videos. to get some YouTube stuff going. Yeah,
1: we had a good time. Was fun.
2: Yeah. We had a good time. Yeah, so we're all loaded up for the next few weeks. We're going to tie some more later, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I think two more today. Yeah. At least. At least. Depends on how much of this mead we finish off. It's almost gone. Oh, no, it's not. No, we still no, got maybe. a ways no, to work like, on it. Yeah. Oh, you guys got a bottle. ways to go. See, what are you talking I, about? I was at Problem. I got a head start, though. I had a beer with Steve. Me too. Oh, yeah. Landon, you got to finish the rest of that. Yeah. I can't finish the rest of you that.
4: You kids 12%. <laughs> You live here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, my weekend was, I guess, uneventful. Other than Zach. Thanks a lot. Zach and... You didn't let me finish. Other than Zach coming over and hanging out. Yeah. I did go to Taquito's West on Friday. I saw they ran into Odom. And I ran into Odom. Wild Odom sighting.
4: Dude, I love Taquito's West. There's a new... Taqueria place that we have to go.
2: Yeah. It opened <coughs> up between Landon and I's house. Like Landon and I's house. Mm. What's it called? Um, I don't know. Is it another Ales Calientes? Nope. No. There's a lot of those. Yeah, I know. It's no. not that, no. It's like an actual, like... Bill Miller? Hey, I l- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like... How'd you know? <laughs> I like Alas Calientes, man. They make their Papa's
3: Francheras. No, what I you do, mm. do it's great. But Good no, stuff. like,
2: if to get,
4: like, tiny street tacos. There's this new place.
3: Oh. Mm. You know, I got to say that I'm just never coming back. <laughs> 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 I just told you all this new diet that I have to be on, and... You've so far had pizza <laughs> in front of me that I can't have and talked about brisket and tacos and <laughs> and, and mead.
4: What's your favorite food that you can't have? Engling. Oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> i would take that one.
1: All right, Steve. So uh, <clears throat> I'm going to start our conversation off with a question that we got from our buddy Gabe.
3: I remember him. Yeah. Whatever happened to Gabe? He gets scurvy. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's scurvy. a good, yeah. yeah.
4: What was it for not eating your fruits and vegetables? Is that how pirates got scurvy? I'm not eating enough vitamin C. Yeah, okay. Mm.
1: So Gabe asked, three books done. Are your thoughts on life the same or changed through the different book releases? Good question.
3: That's a really good question. Um my thoughts on life are always changing. but They haven't changed that much. It's, it's, they're always changing. Always changing. Have and your I thoughts
1: haven't. on fishing changed? Because you've, in writing the books, you've been able, you started in the hill country, then you traveled around, then you went to the coast. And you've been able to experience a lot of different things throughout that time.
3: That's a, it's a great question because there's so many different answers. I'll give you all of them right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is I have loved fishing so many places with so many people. I've been so lucky to fish, you know, from one coast to the other. Fresh salt. It's been great. Um, and so that what I'll say to that is uh, when I wrote Casting Forward, and I've mentioned this before, the only fishing buddy I ever had beside my dad was my daughter. Never fished with anybody else. Now I fish with all these great people. And what I'll say is fly fishing in particular has some of the best people in the tribe. And no matter where I go, doesn't matter. My friends range from their 20s to their 70s, and we all have that common ground. So that's the first thing that's been really great these years. Uh, the other thing I've seen is that everywhere I've gone, people have some home water they absolutely love. And I love finding out from them why they love it. But I'll attach to that with all this travel, Alaska, New York, everywhere, the Rockies. I still love coming home to the Texas Hill Country. That's the one thing I have to say is it's always good to come back to these streams. So um, has my point of view on fishing changed? I don't know. Uh, You know me. We fish together. Mm -hmm. I don't care about how many fish I catch. It's Mm -hmm. nice to catch Mm -hmm. them. I don't care how big they are. I love it when you catch a big fish, but if I don't, that's fine too. Gotten excited about small fish. Um, that hasn't changed a bit. I'm more concerned than I used to be about what's happening to the rivers. So, because everywhere I traveled, same story. Not to be a downer, mm-hmm. but I've also found a whole lot of hope out there too, and that's us. So it's it's been a great great trip. And as you know, I'm on the fourth one, just taking off for of the fourth one, and I will keep fishing and riding until they tell me they're sick of me or until <laughs> yeah, I'm not around to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been a great trip, but um, yeah. And it's also been a journey about life. You know, I made a joke recently. I'm at the age now where I know I have the same life expectancy as a corgi. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> and all that means is I enjoy <coughs> every single day. I am more optimistic than I've ever been in my life or positive, I don't waste my time. I, so I, I've joked before, I could never be a guide. There's two reasons for that. One is, I don't have the expertise. The other one is, I don't want to fish with people I don't want to fish with. So, yeah. Does that make sense? It yeah. does. Yeah, it d- definitely yeah does. So, um, and I'm not the first one to say this. You can tie everything in life, philosophically and otherwise, to fly fishing. It all works. So, it's been a great trip. Can't s- wait to see what's next. Um,
1: yeah. Well, let's talk about your favorite chapter in your newest release, Casting Seaward, mm-hmm. Chapter 14.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that's your chapter. Yeah, Chapter 14. <laughs> that is a that is a really good chapter.
1: Well, you caught your first redfish on the fly. Mm-hmm.
3: I did. Yeah. I did. And uh, it was a, that was a great – yeah, let's talk about your chapter. So that's why it's a great chapter is because Landon is in it. We were fishing down there with William. Mm -hmm. and um, just beautiful down in the Laguna Madre and out in the flats. We had a fantastic time, 20-some miles from the dock, and um, it was a great, great trip. I'm not going to tell too much about the story because I want people to read it. That's true. But I will say that you gave me permission to tell some of that story that people just really have to read about you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's some there's some juicy tidbits about me yeah, in there. I yeah, I gave gonna... Steve an open pass to write about whatever he wanted. and He took full advantage.
3: Almost. I hid one thing. Oh, okay. I won't tell you what that <laughs> was. There's one thing yeah. that I thought I'm not going to write that. So uh, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, we had a great time with them. And I'm just and I'm just love being with people when they catch like their first new species on the fly. And redfish is a big one. And, and I, had I a was lot trying pumped. to get
3: that redfish because before then I had tried to get them before here in Texas, for whatever reason, I was jinxed on redfish. I went out to South Carolina also in this book and we cast my buddy Greg and I were casting to so many redfish and he had caught, you know, 14, 20 the day before, you know how it goes. They, they say you should have been here yesterday. We cast to so many redfish and they all turned their nose up at us for three days we caught a lot of other fish, mm-hmm. but no redfish. So yeah, and that was a great trip.
1: And I think uh, there was, a, and I'm not getting too much into detail, but to give a little tidbit, there was a lot of uh, frustrations too trying to get that fish.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. It was, it it, was if I
1: remember correctly, simple. the first fish you casted at <laughs> followed the fly to the boat, mm-hmm. and then after that, it was a, it was a struggle. We were like, oh, what's going to happen on the first? on the first fish, was the mentality when he cast and that fish turned and was on that fly following it.
3: And then turned away.
1: And then turned away, and we're like, ooh, that's a good sign. And then it was redfish after redfish after redfish denial. Right. But there is a happiness at the end of the story. You'll have to buy Steve's <laughs> latest
3: book, Casting and, Seaward. And there's a lot. Of, I, I hope people really enjoy the stories. As you know, when I write these books, there's a whole lot more to them the fishing stories. But I don't want people to find that out for themselves because you asked about life I do I am a f- I think in metaphor and poetry and I am a philosopher. I'm always getting into it deeper. I think fly fishing is deeper than just catching fish for me it is mm-hmm. so um, but yeah, we had a great time and that's been the case with all of these trips. Um, and the thing about all three of these books, the casting seaward, it's really, really different depending on which chapter you're reading. You mentioned fourteen. it's a wonderful chapter. My friend Landon's in it. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? that? <laughs> um, I can't wait for y'all to read about Landon on the boat and why he really wanted to take his picture with his first fish in the water. So, uh, <laughs> so but yeah, it's you guys will have to read it. I mean, if yeah, you're you curious,
1: to you're gonna have to buy the book. <laughs> Just saying.
3: Well, and I don't want to ruin things because I want people to laugh, I want them to also see the fun we had. I want them to struggle with us through it. That's part of it. I want them to feel the sun, the rain. I mentioned fishing with my friend Greg out in the low country of South Carolina, and it poured rain on us for three days, and I loved every bit of it. We we ducked a funnel cloud. We didn't quit. We moved away from the lightning but kept fishing. Um, there's so much to this. Uh, I don't know how far you want me to go with this. You might want to wait to ask, but.
1: No, go go ahead, Steve.
3: But um, So what I did with Casting Cedar, we're going to talk about that f- first, is I started out in Alaska, in southeast Alaska. A lot of fly anglers go where I'm going to be going this year to Bristol Bay and that area of Alaska. But I went to southeast Alaska, the Tongass National Forest and Wilderness Area, and with uh, Mark Hieronymus from Trot Unlimited. My goal was I was going to follow anadromous fish, salmon, and other steelhead I was going to follow them from the ocean all the way up to the smallest tributary in the Tongass wilderness, and that's what we did. And it was very challenging. So we started out in basically seawater catching salmon, and then we went upriver and were trying not to catch salmon there because they were all spawning. And if you haven't seen this, it's something everyone should see once in their life because there's so many salmon in the water that you have to almost <laughs> say, we're saying, excuse me, sir, excuse me, ma'am, as we're mm-hmm. trying to walk across the street because there's so many salmon in the water. You can walk across their backs. You can touch them. You can pet them. Wow. Because the only thing they want to do is spawn and die. It's um, an amazing experience everyone should experience, but it's also sobering. I don't want to give too much away about it. You're going to find out the realities of what's going on. Uh, with our fisheries. I hate calling them fisheries, by the way, because it sounds like the only thing salmon exists for is for us to catch them. Mm. But There's a lot more to it. What
1: that. do you prefer to call it, if not fisheries? It's a habitat.
3: You mm. Fish are just part of it. Um, but we've got to look at the whole thing. What, uh, Like I said, Mark Aronimus, the biologist up there, he says it's called piercing the mirror is what he calls it. So, you, so one of the things he does up there is gets a snorkel and mask on, and they have a bear guide with a shotgun that follows them, and they snorkel these rivers to see the condition of the fish and where they're spawning. And, of course, they have to, because their face is in the water and there are so many bears there, you have to have somebody taking guard the whole time. So we did that, and then the hardest day was the (laughs) final day because I told him I wanted to follow up in some of the work he's doing, going way up in the Tongass wilderness to tributaries that are maybe three feet wide that eventually lead to the ocean. And people don't realize that those big salmon you're catching at the in the ocean level, or even in the rivers, those big steelhead, they're spawning in three feet wide little tributaries that are maybe two feet deep at the most. And we were going up there to prove we we're catching them with dip nets on our final day, so that we could catch these little tiny salmon. And prove that those coho were up there, so that the Forest Service won't sell out leases to clear cut all that and kill off that stream. If you don't prove that they're there, that could happen. So we had a lot of fun. We also did a lot of hard work. If you haven't been in that area and fished it, it you don't know about devil's club, which is a predominant plant there that's really important. But it's I think Zach oh. Harris
1: has heard of that plant.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I,
3: you might have. <laughs> You might have run into one of the only Texas Devils Club.
2: Yeah. Yeah, in a customer's backyard. Right. Um, it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, Does it make your leg fall off by any chance? <laughs> no,
3: but during a full moon. <coughs> oh, <laughs> perfect. That's, my, that's right up my alley. All right. <laughs> oh. So that's just like one thing in, in Alaska where we're know basically dodging bears and doing everything else in order to follow these salmon quite an adventure um hard work climbing over every rotting log and up through steep cliffs you know through waterfalls uh but a great adventure and i want everybody to go on these adventures with me i followed from there down the california coast chasing corbina then the gulf of mexico out to the caribbean for bone fish uh, along florida where i go back to where i originally grew up because even though i consider myself a Texan, lived here most of my life. I was born and raised in the first part of my life in Florida before it was ruined before the circus came to town. <laughs> and so I go back there and fish that and see the differences and, and what's the same up along the coast all the way to Montauk, New York, which is one of my favorite places. So Why
1: is that your f- one of your favorite places?
3: I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> of the what surprised me in writing this book is two places that were my very favorite for fly fishing for salt, in saltwater, were uh, right around L.A. and New York City, of all places. Really, really. After doing Alaska and you know all these wild places that I've done, and you're an urban
1: far. guy after all.
3: No, I'm not. Um, what it was is going after corbina in the surf north of L.A. is quite an adventure, and I'm tr- I'm hoping I get to do it again this summer. Uh, it's not part of the fourth book, so it'd be just for fun.
1: I'm not super familiar with corbina fishing. What does that look like? What are you it
3: is doing? Addictive. and Yeah. Awesome. Um, I did with that with my friends uh, Eileen Lane and Kesley Gallagher, both awesome people. And corbina, they're actually a they're actually a croaker fish. Look kind of like bonefish to me in a way. Yeah, but they're they're a croaker fish and a, relati- oh, okay. a yeah. relative around here they would call whiting. Um, but along that coast, the Corbina they have, um, they, they make it up to about Santa Barbara and then down into the Baja. In the wintertime, they don't know where they go. But in the summertime, they come in and they ride the surf. They actually surf up the beach, and they're trying to get sand crabs that are up on the beach. So you go to the sand crab bet and you watch these Corbina, and they're... I don't know if fish can be brave, but if if any fish is brave, these fish are brave. Because they're going in three, four inches of water, following the surf up to grab a bite of one of these crabs. Meanwhile, anglers are trying to catch them. Seabirds are trying to catch them in the shallows. And right behind the surf, where they're down in the trough, there are seals, sea lions, and dolphins trying to eat them. (laughs) <laughs> it's a rough life. Wow. And to fish for them, it's all sight fishing. And so you're watching that surf. It comes in. You have a split second as the sand settles, and suddenly you see them there. You have to make your shot. When I first started, my friend Kesley said, it's all about accuracy, Steve. It's about accuracy. That's what I thought. Unfortunately, I should have told myself, don't look at the fish. Because I beamed several of them in the head, <laughs> and they "Okay, to look four feet in front of the fish." So <laughs> you get a you get a really quick shot. They're very challenging. And uh, what Kesley said to me is, "Permit or tough. Corbina are much tougher."
1: Now, is it because you only have a quick second to make the cast, or let, let's just say, in a in a perfect world, you make the best cast four feet in front of them. They see the fly. It's a good fly.
3: Good presentation. Uh, good presentation.
1: Are they going to eat it? At
3: that point, what are your odds? Not necessarily. So it's all of that because think about this. Uh, Randall Kaufman wrote one of his books about in salt water. He said, in a, in a lake, the fish are moving, the water is still. In a river, the fish are still, the water is moving. But in salt, the water is moving, the fish are moving. But with Corbina, the water's moving, the fish are moving, <laughs> the depth is changing constantly. You have to drop that fly in front of the fish, have enough sink time for it to reach the bottom. By the time they come up to intercept, make your twitch. And even then, most of the time, they're, if they had a middle finger, they'd be giving it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so they give you the fin.
1: Now, with Corbina fishing, is it like... Uh, then you've got to land them. Well, <laughs> it, is it is it nonstop action in the sense of you're getting a lot of shots throughout the day, or are they vary like one shot every thirty minutes?
3: It like everything in it life. Varies. It Depends. When it's hot, it can be hot, and then you can also be. So we did twelve miles a day on that beach. Whew. Dang, uh, that's a lot. Twelve miles a day because we <clears> we kept track 12 miles a day of constant casting and and constant moving then constant moving yeah so um so this old dude has to that's why i work out every day (laughs) so um we did 12 miles a day going after this corbina and uh, i think on the second day i hooked three um messed up hooking three more but the three that i hook i did not land any of them and that's, all, that's the next thing that's tough with Corbina is knowing how to land them. So I'm hoping to go back in August and give it another shot.
1: What's different about
3: Corbina than another fish that makes them hard to land? Uh, and By the way, I'm no expert in any of this, but I'm definitely... <laughs> well, you're the I'm, resident expert Corbina
1: up, fisherman, so whatever I'm, you say, we're going to believe. So uh, well
3: then, <laughs> let, me, let me make something up really good. So they're a whole lot of, like a bass. They're green. <laughs> <laughs> I and saw that swimming. coming. <laughs> I saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, well, I, I think part of it's their mouth structure, but the other part that makes it very difficult is you have all this dynamic stuff going on. You have surf. You have the pull of the surf. You have current. You have, you've got beach goers behind you. You don't want to hook little kids, right? And if you do, throw one into the water it doesn't count anymore because now you're bait fishing (laughs) 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 and and corbino it's not the way to go about it uh but what i learned was you know to fight these things you really are how using you have to work with nature so you're allowing the surf to help you land this fish and when they want to run you let them run so the first one i lost which my friend said was about a four or four and a half pounder I got to see it right there. Almost landed just before I horsed it too hard and broke the leader. Oh! And uh, when they want to run, you let them run. That was my experience. Now there's people that know actually are good Corbina anglers that may say he's all wrong, and, he, and they may be right. But what I was learning—those aren't our r- listeners, so you can go. <laughs> you can. But what I learned was you let them run, you work them, and then you let the you let the surf help you beach the fish. Mm. That's you bring it in as the surf's coming in and if the surf's pulling out and they're trying to go out you don't do what i did and break off my first one one. so they're very interesting fish and and of course like everywhere i went i was concerned about their existence in the future so but there i can't wait to fish for them again so that's one of my favorite places is north of la going after okay and then the other one is montauk new york and long island area uh fishing for stripers bluefish in albies and i would do that every year i I I would do that i I already know i I would i hope to do that and and i'm lucky enough that one of my dearest friends i get to fish with david blinken who's a fantastic guide there i'm going to be shameless and tell you the truth if he wasn't my friend and i was trying to fish there he's the guy i would go with i know there's other great ones there but i don't know them uh, but David and I fished together, and I just absolutely adore that place. Um, it's, it's got it all. It's got saltwater estuaries. It's got flats. It's got sight fishing for stripers. It's got deeper water fishing for stripers and albies. It's, it's gorgeous, and it's not far from New York City, which to me is exciting. Mm-hmm. Because if you can have great fishing, which also is being impacted if you have great fishing close to a big city then we've got a lot of possibilities here you know to make things better yep. everywhere right that's what i mean so yeah it's been a great adventure and some of it's been very very hard and i hope the people who decide to read the book i hope they really really enjoy it but i, I also hope they're getting a really bigger something bigger out of the story
0: mm-hmm.
3: about this world we're living in what uh I hear
1: also uh, that uh, false albacore albies are a riot. How, did you catch one on your trip? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I've caught quite a number so of t- them, actually. Because Ta- uh, I've heard a lot of podcasts. I think they're actually one of Tom I, Rosenbauer's favorite fish to catch. It's one of my favorites. And a, lo- and a lot of people have nothing but great things to say. So talk us through
3: albie fishing. Uh, again, I'm not the expert. The people I fish with are. Um but I love albee fishing. I've done it in Montauk and Long Island, and I've done it in Florida. And the fishing for the same fish in both places is quite different from my experience, my limited experience. You can read about both of them in the book. I'm not trying to plug the book. You no. no, plug the you book. Can. Yeah, Available yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm really available, no
1: available on the Honey Hole Angling website if you <laughs> want a signed copy. Yes. If you Especially don't so want a so signed Steve. copy buy Steve, you can go buy it on Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble,
3: yeah bunch of other places whatever else but, yeah. uh, but uh yeah albies are fantastic they're they're aggressive they're aerobatic. they're you know they're just amazing fish and all three of those fish in the area by the way the bluefish, the stripers and the albies up in the long island area i think are super dynamic to fish for because there's tons of what many anglers call bait fish and what i'm trying to get us to start calling forage fish you know why i am doing that i want us to start paying attention to why these things are important i mean can you imagine if we called people bait you did a few minutes ago, actually. <laughs> call people bait? When you hook yeah, a kid on right your out. back cast? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wish I could say that was the mead talking. <laughs> it's, got, it's got sugar in it. I can still have alcohol, but I can't have sugar. So, uh, actually,
1: I think the sugar is converted to alcohol, so I think oh, you're yeah. okay. I could be drinking the mead, too. Yeah. <laughs> so Isn't that uh, what happens when fermenting happens, the uh, sugar is converted to yeah. alcohol? Yeah. I, sure I will it. say, having a quick side note on the mead, um, iced, it tastes more like white wine. Mm. Room temperature, I can taste more of the honey.
4: You taste more flavor when things are room temperature, like coffee. Yeah. So now or we're. Or beer. Yeah. You know, you room more. temperature beer. Yeah, most places in Europe only serve their beer a little. I mean, like a little bit above room temperature, but like in like are a little bit cooler than room temperature, like in the sixties and seventies, because. You
2: taste more flavor. I would say
1: both are good. Just what's your style,
2: Steve? I didn't mean to interrupt your story. Sometimes these things come to my head and I can't control them. They just what, come what out. What things? The bait thing. Oh, I no. completely interrupted what you were saying. No, that was great. Wow, yeah. that was wow. great. Wow. I, I did. wait, you apologize
1: to Steve for one of your one liners, but we never get an apology. I respect yeah, him. <laughs> 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 no, stick around, you'll get. To <laughs>
3: Now that was great, and my my big concern about that is that you brought up again that I I used a childish bait, and I'm probably going to have people say, "Don't buy his book No, <laughs> he, no, he, no, he, he no. Serves babies to. The shark. <laughs> <laughs> At least I bake not bake them and wrap them up in tin foil. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> so Albie, <Yeah>, like, <laughs> still want to hear about Albies. Yeah, I do. So if you has anybody here ever caught Albies? Nope. No, no. Okay, so they're 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 speedsters. They they. Are going to one thing I love there is when they're hitting the forage fish, it's a feeding frenzy. So there's this, this the the water is just frothing with either bluefish or stripers or albies. And when it's albies, they're they're biting these fish and eating it whole for the most part. But they're they're like rockets and they'll be flying out of the air. You'll see you're following the birds. That's another thing I love about this kind of fishing. You have to pay attention to nature. You see the birds? The birds are above the fish. You know that's where they're going to be. Why? Because they're slashing these forage fish, and some of those bits are coming up, and the birds are diving down to grab them. So you you race over there, you start sending your line out, and you start hooking into these things, and it's fast and furious. And uh, I have fish, when when it's been going... You can fish for these things to the point, at least for me, that my arms and back are killing me. At, and you're thinking, <laughs> okay, we need to take a break. Because they can really fight. They can really fight. Now, the other thing I'll say about albies is you got to take care of them. They they really need to be treated well when you get them, if you are going to take them out of the boat, out of the water at all. Because um,
4: they're, the, they're the fish that can literally cook themselves if they exert too much energy, right?
3: They die really easy. Yeah. And part of it is they have to... They're constantly moving. They never stop moving. Mm-hmm. The other thing i say when I write these books is I research the fish in the entire habitat. Mm-hmm. Everything they eat, everything that kills them, everything that's going on, I fish. I research. But you don't realize how much research is involved before you ever go fishing. So they're constantly moving. Uh, they don't have a long life sea anyway, maybe three years. Oh, wow. Uh, but when you have to get them, if you do take them out of the water, you have to get them back in pretty darn quick and you have to put them in face first quick because they, they need to have that fresh water shoved through their gills where with a... Say a striper, you can hold the striper down by its lip, like you would a bass. They're green and they swim is. in the water. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I'm gonna be dreaming about that. So, uh, <laughs> I thought we were ready for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but with with albies, you got to put them straight in. You know, dive them into that water so they get that fresh refreshment right there. Because they're powerful fish, but they will die quickly if you don't treat them well. Um, they're beautiful, um, basically inedible, and uh, inedible. Yeah, I think for the most part, I would characterize. Them why as would you say? Why is that? Their their meat's going to be very red, very bloody. Um,
1: okay. Um,
3: so it's false albacore. It's not albacore tuna, but they're in the same tuna family, and uh, they're an amazing fish, um, and uh, we need to keep them around. A little more basic uh,
2: question about them: What kind of gear do you use to catch them? Like, what kind of what weight rod?
3: Simple stuff. Yep, I would I would say, uh, again, I'm not the expert. The people that are up there that I'm fishing with are, but uh, we're using 8, 9, and 10 weight rods. Oh, robots. cool, okay. So yeah. it's, it's pretty, that's cool. Yeah, you want 8, 9, or 10 weight rods. I was going to guess like 11 or 12. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I was thinking. And that's they
1: get to what, like 3 pounds, 3, 4 <laughs> pounds, about I this don't big? Know they
3: actually, no, they get bigger than that. Bigger than that? Bigger than that, oh, yeah. Okay. And they're way, way more powerful than you would think by their body size. Yeah. They are rockets. They and, um and w- when I fish them different places, they act different. Just like bluefish, um, if you yeah, th- you see how streamlined mm-hmm. they are, yeah, they are yeah. absolute rockets. Oh, yeah. And beautiful, beautiful creatures.
4: Um, I like that, like the little stripes. There, like yeah, yeah. The they're, they're the amazingly beautiful. Yeah, what yeah. are
1: we doing a trip for Albies? Uh, uh,
2: the week after the Dorado trip. Okay. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great. I can do that. I can spring it. As long as it's in the summer, we're good. Steve, you said in uh, in your book you talk about the difference between catching them up north and catching them, you said, in Florida. Right. Okay, I'm excited to
3: read that then. It's a very different experience. Yeah, I'm excited to and, read about it. And I don't want to say too much, obviously, because right. I who wants to read a mystery and know the answers already? Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, please don't say too much. There's I some wanna. stuff in Florida that <coughs> I also write about. See, I grew up in Palm Beach County area before it was... When they had forty thousand people, we still had panthers I remember seeing Oh wow. I remember hearing panthers. Really? And, seeing, mm. and, no and thanks. seeing seeing their their prints in my prints when I was hiking. And I grew up when I was i uh, I'm a I'm a Texan but part of my life was in Florida when it was still wild right mm. on the edge of the Everglades. So the Florida I knew was on one side of where I lived, alligators and panthers and deer. Oh my. <laughs> and on the other side it was the ocean and we were forever going off to the bahamas when i was a kid and staying for a week and just living off the ocean wow bringing almost no food at all and just living off what you can't do that anymore yeah Uh, the reefs i knew as a kid they are gone and i do write about that i've gone back to these islands the reefs i knew as a kid i've taken my daughter snorkeling in places where I knew it was gorgeous staghorn and brain coral and elkhorn coral, and it is gone. No, it's not there wow. at all. And I had to tell her, this is what it used to look like when I was a kid. So some of it's still there, but, and I don't want to give too much away, but in this, I go back to places that I went to as a kid, and I tell people what I found, um, including the things that are coming back. For instance, sailfish are really coming back. But that's because we've created some policies to start protecting the sailfish. Right. And they're coming back. And and that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Steve,
1: (laughs) out of all the stories you've written and all the trips you did in this book, what's your biggest takeaway?
3: Well, first thing I want to say about that is I am an optimistic person. You know that. Because once I give up any optimism... What's the point of me writing or doing anything anymore other than feeding the birds in the backyard? But the biggest takeaway is we as anglers have got to start paying attention more. Everywhere I've gone, things are going quickly downhill. And we are the proximate cause. I don't mean anglers, I mean humans.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: There's no doubt in my mind of that. And we can change that. Someone said, well, what can we do? And I said, well, we could be a voice. You know, We can be an actual unified voice about this. And it's not just the fish. So that's why it, it was so important for me to go with Mark um and follow those salmon. And if you go to the other coast, you start looking at stripers. People don't pay attention to the fact that that's also an anadromous fish. It has to go up a freshwater river in order to spawn. When we dam up those rivers... We lose stripers. Everything has a result. Everything has an outcome. When we turn their forage fish into omega-3 by having unrestricted netting of those fish, then the stripers starve. So if we don't care about it for any other reason than our fishing, then we should still care. But I think we need to care for more reasons than that. I mean, so I don't know if any of you read the book The Road, by Corm- Cormac McCarthy,
4: McCarthy? yes,
3: brilliant. it's been it's been a long, long time. Brilliant, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I I liked reading that just so I could see the brilliance of his writing, and the fact that he is so powerfully known that he gets to write like that, because to have an editor allow you to write like that, to leave out punctuation, to just <laughs> do what you want to do, is, is shows how much power you have with the editors and the publishers. But brilliant, brilliant, and and. I don't want to give too much about that book away, but would we really go to the ocean if we got there and it was dead? You know? Because that's part of the book, right? There's nothing left in the ocean. So my biggest takeaway is there's a lot of great stuff going on out there. There's a lot of beautiful stuff going on out there, but we better get on it. Um, it's not going to be there for much longer. Because, uh, you know, Nature will eventually take it back. I mean, th- they'll take it back from us, but it's uh, it's a quick collapse. Mm-hmm. It's a quick collapse, and we don't want to let that happen. The other thing I've, I've found out is we really should pay attention to what those numbers we're being told are. For exa- example, on salmon, they say this is the big population of salmon we have, but what they're not telling you is that they're counting all the ones being reared in a hatchery and dumped into the water so that we have salmon to catch with the trawlers so that we can, you know, have cans of salmon in store. And I'm not trying to put anybody out of business at all, but a hatchery-raised salmon is not a wild salmon. And if you're going to be able to manufacture them, you know, it's like saying Easter eggs are eggs. They are,
1: Steve. They are. Yeah, I
3: know, yeah. I know.
1: <laughs> with money in them.
3: With money in them. <laughs> wow, you have really good Easter. I always get T- like Hershey kisses or something. Ten cents, man. I always had, ants, your house. And mm. had ants and melted chocolate. Dang, a quarter.
4: Ants and melted chocolate. Yeah, ants and melted chocolate. That's what yeah. I thought they all were. Yeah. 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 And that sulfur smells.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was a bad kid. There
1: was always one Easter egg with like five dollars in it. That was like the prize, oh, yeah. and it was like always hidden. You had such a charm, child. I man. know. was yeah, always know. like extremely difficult to find. I remember one year it was like, in the arm of the swing set, and we
2: couldn't find it for like hours. In the arm of the swing, what kind of devil is hiding your eggs? In the probably arm, probably my s- father. Okay, that was like a joke. I wasn't. <laughs> but wow, that's intense. Yeah, in no. the arm, like in the like in the pipe that holds yes, it up. Yeah.
3: Oh my gosh, mine were always kept in the chicken. So. <laughs> 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 so, you know, I was just giving yeah. the knife and said, so you "Get your egg, <laughs> kid." <laughs>
2: When Get I when I worked at Bass Pro, we had to hide Easter eggs in the within the department, and the kids would go around and and have to look for them. Uh, I used to tape them to the tip of the twelve foot surf rods. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever looked at the end of the twelve foot surf rods. Anyway, sorry. Was there money what kind in of them? Devil we <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, hey, hiding them in the pipes of the swing set—that's pretty. It's that's pretty intense. Yeah. H- how many years did it take to find them? How many you stumbled years? stumbled across them. <laughs> well, I do start to smell.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think eventually, after a certain amount of time, it probably turned into, you're getting warmer, you're getting colder, yeah, man, and then that's zeroing an, in on the spot. That's intense. But I, there was always, like, one with, like, $5 in it, and I yeah. was like, oh, $5? As a kid, $5 is, like, winning the lottery. Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah.
2: $5? W- why would we get so excited over 5 What could we buy? A Hot Wheels car? <laughs> Dude, even college, excited <laughs> over $5. <laughs> I still
4: get excited over
3: $5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So, Steve, you're a movie star. No, I'm not. Well, kind <laughs> of. Would you like tell us what's going on with this new movie that's coming out and how you're in, involved with it.
3: Uh, so, the movie, I believe here referring to is called Mending the Line, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be coming out in select theaters in June.
1: Are any of those select theaters in San Antonio?
3: I do not know the answer to that, but since I am a bit on the inside loop, I have highly suggested that to people making those decisions. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so... Um, those decisions are made based on what they're trying to see when they put these roll this movie out, as far as the kind of response they receive and whether they want to go wider with it. So it's going to go into select theaters across America in June. And, um, it is starring Ryan, uh, Brian Cox of Secession, Braveheart and, and West duty of dances with wolves and, and last Mohicans, Patricia Heaton from everybody loves Raymond. Oh, she's great. And, uh, and quite a few other, uh, th- I have to tell you, I've, I've been lucky enough to see the movie. I saw it in its rough form. I got to see it um, in its final form. The producers were kind enough to fly my wife and I up for the premiere up in Woodstock Film Festival. Was it like
1: a red carpet deal where you got to walk down the red carpet, get your picture <laughs> taken? I did
3: get to get my picture taken. <laughs> and and, um, and uh, it was a really wonderful wonderful experience and my, my wife got to see it for the first time I got to see it for the first time in its entirety You know. mm-hmm. uh, my part in it is and I'm very honored by this I think first of all I'll say it's a beautiful movie everyone who can see it should go see it what um,
1: is the what's the basic plot of the movie the
3: basic premise of the movie is uh, about two US Marines one Vietnam era played by Brian pa- Cox and um then one of the Afghan era, played by Cinque Walls, and they are trying to heal from PTSD, one helping the other, one, um, and they use fly fishing and nature and friendship. Now, if you've read any of my books, you know that after casting forward, uh, in casting forward, I'm using fly fishing and nature to get through my own PTSD because I'm a former U.S. Marine and I do still struggle with PTSD. One of my goals this year is I'm looking at different kinds of ways that I can kind of overcome some of the last of it. Because it does follow you for the rest of your life. And it's, it is, it's a real thing. So um, I think it's a beautiful movie. It also has a uh, an actress in it who plays a civilian, non-military person who, I'm not going to give too much about this movie away because I think people really do need to see it. And she also has her own trauma that she's dealing with and uses fly fishing in nature as part of that healing process as well. It's a beautiful movie. I am definitely biased because it hits close to home. But what happened was the um, the director, Josh Codwell, who did a fantastic job in this. And again, I'm biased, but I, I really do believe that. He's going to be in my fourth book, by the way. We'll be fishing together. Uh, great guy. So talented. Uh, he read casting forward and uh Stephen camellio who is the screenplay writer who did a brilliant job on this he did not serve but his father was a marine and i told him at the premiere that he nailed it when it comes to how he wrote the screenplay he nailed it as as a marine that has lived this with ptsd he really nailed it well and um uh, so they, they had written in that there was going to be some book of literature in this script, but they didn't know which one. It was written in, and they didn't know what words they were going to use. And when they read my book, which, of course, is about me, a Marine, getting through PTSD, <laughs> they said, this is it. So they contacted my publisher, and who contacted me, and we went to an agreement so that uh, my book could be a part of the movie, and it does follow throughout the movie. And some of my words are in the movie as well just, I think, you know, I'm very honored. And it's quite touching, actually, that they did that when you when you hear the words. Um, so, uh, yeah, casting forward is throughout the movie. It goes from actor to actor. It's passed from person to person. And the words are used to help one. And that's part of why I wrote it. I wrote it to try to help people. So I, I think it's beautiful, obviously. I keep saying it over and over again. <laughs> It's really, I, I wouldn't be able to say that if it would, didn't really truly believe it. Yeah. yeah. I'm very honored that my book is a small part of it. A small part. But That's awesome. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, me too. I've been waiting for
1: a long time. I We had this initial conversation. This was going to be a thing a, a long Was it a
4: year ago when we first heard about uh, it? Oh, gosh.
1: <laughs> Maybe even, yeah. I don't know. But, uh, and I've been like, Every once in a while, I, like, remember the movie, and I, like, check on when it's going to come out. It's like, no release date. And I'm like, I, I don't know if COVID pushed it back or if it's not, quote, unquote, a mainstream movie. <coughs> and so they don't. No, uh, it
3: was supposed to come out in April um, of okay. now. And all that happened is, you know, in, I mean, I don't know anything about this, but I've been learning. <laughs> so, so you know, Hollywood, they have to negotiate on who's going to be the distributor, yeah, so and they, they, they find distributor, and, and once they get the distributor, and so that negotiation put it into June, but they are very fortunate because they have Sony Pictures, and uh, it's going to go first to theaters, and then it'll eventually go to streaming, cool. okay, demand, so and then it'll be available to anybody, f- you know, forever. Right. Um, but um, yeah, obviously, I am definitely biased, but I, w- I you know me, nobody else does here. You know me. <laughs> I would not. I would not say this if I didn't truly really believe it. Yeah.
1: Is this the first mainstream ho- Hollywood fly fishing movie since river runs through it?
3: Uh, I I think it it is. Is my I best can't idea. think of another one. And I'm going to tell you that um, I, I know that it, in the next Fly Fisherman magazine, Ross Purnell is going to be doing the the biggest. I've already read it. Um, he's doing the biggest. View of a movie that they have done in Fly Fisherman since River runs through it. Wow, really? On, on this movie. Mm. Oh, that's cool. And he's he's had, um, and he's done. I read it. He's done a wonderful job. He's done a wonderful job on this, and it's. Um, and again, I'm biased. He's a friend, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. He did a wonderful job because there's so much respect for what what the screenwriter did, what the actors have done. They really did a great job. And um, the cinematography is beautiful. Uh, they even have the, if I am hope I'm not getting this wrong, they have the same fish wrangler that used they used for f- River Runs Through It. Oh, no way. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's, it's really stunning. It's stunningly beautiful. And I won't say what, but Brian Cox's character does a few things that are from me in my book. Um, and I didn't, they didn't, I didn't know how far that had gone until <coughs> I saw it. It's, mm. it's really quite touching. That's awesome. It's a, it's a really good movie, which has very little to do with me.
1: Yeah, and I, we had just a little tidbit for our listeners. I have been in Instagram communication with the director. This was probably four or five months ago, and asked him to come on the podcast to help promote the movie and talk about the movie, and he said that he absolutely would, but he wanted to do it closer to the release date. That way, people didn't forget about it. So, yeah. we're actually kind of sneaking up on the release date. So, Pretty I'll probably close. reach out to him and try to get him on the podcast
3: because that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, Josh is a great guy, and he's an uh, excellent, such a talent, but a super super guy and passionate fly angler. Uh, that's the other thing that makes this movie great. Both the screenwriter, the producers, and the director are fly anglers all flank. Well, that helps. Do you feel like that comes across in the movie? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah definitely. They they made sure that this was um, authentic.
1: Yeah, so they didn't pull a Yellowstone and uh, catch and trout <laughs> off a horseback while the horse were crossing the river and they were casting lines all over the place. You
4: don't think anybody's ever done that?
3: <laughs> I may have to do that for my fourth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be up in Yellowstone. I think
1: great. it's a stretch. What, I think it's possible. I think it's possible, but I think it's. A I stretch.
3: think you
4: could easily catch a fish on a horse.
3: You know, I I might have to see if I can pull that off when I'm up in, in a the, trout in Yellowstone. I
1: think your horse is disturbing the water so much. You know, walking I, around.
2: I feel like if you wanted to do it, you could definitely do it on the on the. Yeah, no. How do, do you it. say? It? Guadal- uh. Guadalupe. <laughs> <laughs> Guadalupe. So I don't know. How did he say it?
1: Oh, he said it like twenty different ways. Guadalupe.
2: Guadalupe or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Guadalupe. Whatever. I think you could do it there. Catch a trout off a horse.
3: I think you can do it, period. Now, if, you, if you're going to do it off the back of a bison, then I'd be impressed. Right.
2: Mm, that Ooh. That.
1: Is off the back of a bison or off the back of a <coughs> bear more impressive?
2: I'm going with bison. I know you're looking at him when you ask that question, but I'm voting bison. Yeah. yeah. I mean, bears are just furry tractors. <laughs> Yeah. They're what? They're just furry
3: tractors. Furry tractors. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I, I think the, the bison would do it. You know, that's that's, yeah. that's my that's my vote.
4: You really don't but think uh, you could do it from a horse? Oh yeah, you
3: could do it. I think horse. you could easily okay. do it from a horse.
1: I think it's possible, but with all the glitz and glamour, and how easy they made it look on Yellowstone, and how ridiculous it looked right. in the filming of the show, it did not look authentic, and it looked stupid. And it made fly fishing look stupid?
3: Oh yeah. yeah. You'd have to do it so it didn't look stupid. Right, yeah. So like, <laughs> if I try to do yeah. it, I won't wear my spurs. Yeah. <laughs> and I do yeah. have spurs, by the way.
1: And there's like 10 people on horses. All of them are casting rods and catching fish. I'm like, this is, this wouldn't happen.
3: No.
2: That's not how it happens? That's how it happens when I go fishing. <laughs> <laughs> if it does
3: work that well, we should all get on horses. Yeah.
2: Then yeah. yeah, we should. Maybe, yeah. maybe they're onto something, right. Landon. Right? Maybe the fish aren't like spooked the horses. You
3: can yeah. be even louder D- because horses
4: are animals. Right.
1: Well, fish are spooked of animals because what's trying to kill them outside the water? Not horses. Not animals. Horses. <laughs> Birds, dude. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I think we've digressed. <laughs> Steve, you oh. write a column as well, the fly fisherman column, the seasonable
3: angler. I do. This can't be all about me.
0: <laughs> no no that's why no, you're that, here that,
3: It is. Though. That's, that's literally the, why you're here that's the name of the game Yeah, I am really lucky because first of all I'm fortunate that I, I get to be published in the casting series as we're calling it now because uh, we're going for the fourth book through Lyons Press and for like well, I'm much older than you as we all know but, um, but for both of our lives Nick Lyons is an icon in fly fishing literature and writing and so for me to be with Lions Press, and i also say this, and I, I only say what I truly believe, being with the people at Lions Press has been an absolute joy. They are, are really great. I have such a wonderful <coughs> group of people, and they've become my friends, not just my editors and publicists and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I bring that up because Signable Angler was Nick Lyons' original column. Oh, wow. And I am so fortunate that Ross Purnell, the publisher of... Fly Fishman magazine read casting forward, he contacted me and basically said, Send me a story, I did. He said, Send me another, I did. He said, Send me another, I did. And then he said, Let's talk. So I am very honored to be the first person since Nick Lyons to take over that column.
1: Is this a monthly magazine or Fly quarterly?
3: It's quarterly. Fla- quarterly, okay.
1: So you have a column, a quarter, basically. Right. Yep. And um,
3: a, and even as a kid growing up reading my dad's fishing and hunting magazines, I always wanted to write the back page. Cause I've been writing since I was a kid. I always went, you know, I'm talking about the back page. It's the one story that, first of all, I can write because I don't have to have any actual talent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as an angler, <laughs> but as a writer, hopefully I do and um it's it's the story that has to go deeper. It's the story that is that those back pages, whether it be in a hunting magazine or a fly fishing magazine, it tends to be about the things that are beyond how to, and that's always been what I've been into, whether it be hunting or fishing. I don't really hunt anymore, but I have hunted all over different parts of the world. I've hunted Africa. Um, I did all that but for me it was never about getting the, you know, I got a kudu and here's this kudu, you know, I'm I'm getting a picture uh, I've never been into the grip and grin really Uh, but it's the fact that I'm tracking kudu in Namibia with Bushman trackers that is really cool it's the fact that I have to work really hard for it and on the 13th day of a 14 day safari I finally get my kudu exhausted and in the middle of nowhere Uh, so it's it's, th- that back page is about all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and the other thing I really love, both in the books and in the column, as you know, Landon, is I get to bring my friends into the stories.
1: Oh, I'm your friend.
3: <laughs> well, unless you say you're not. I mean, I don't want to be presumptuous. <laughs> no. I don't want to be presumptuous, but, you know, um, we've shared a lot out on that boat all day long. Mm-hmm. And people are going to have to read about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh but uh yeah so it I'm very honored to do that column uh the one right now that's out is called wreckage and it's me and somebody you know very well um Aaron Reed Oh yeah our, mu- our mutual buddy
1: I know of Aaron Reed I've actually never met him Really Yeah Oh We know of each other but I don't I don't think I've ever actually met him we've may had we may have had well, You need to fix some it. online communication
3: So I'm going to I'm going to plug my buddy Aaron here because uh his guide to fly fishing around the Austin area in the hill country I think is a, a is a masterpiece to me. That's just my opinion. And he is a great, great guy. And we fished um, down in Brownsville we fished the Brownsville Ship Channel together. And there's a little excerpt. Of course the chapter in Casting seaward is much more than is in a story, but I, I tell a bit of a story about that in Fly Fisherman. So.
1: What's uh what what got your Have you always had an itch for writing, or did that develop later in life?
3: Or I've always had to write. If I can't write, I can't breathe. Really? Yeah. Even in the Marines, I have some. This is a long time ago. You know, before you were born. <laughs> um, um, I have typewriter things that I wrote when I was on post somewhere in the world, waiting to be killed. Whoa! That. That's intense. And I'm telling the truth here. Christmas Eve, a <coughs> particular year where the uh, spooks, the CIA had said, we, all, we <coughs> need you on this post, but you're, there's a high degree of Intel saying that you might get hit and there's not a damn thing we can do for you. Oh <laughs> so gosh. So, and gosh. You're, you're typing w- as you, as you know, this
4: information you're writing. Well, it. I couldn't do anything else. Yeah. So I'm,
3: I'm there with my, my Uzi and my pistol, you know, in a place that's indefensible. And, uh, it's Christmas Eve, and I've got a typewriter. So I wrote. And casting forward, I'm writing through a part of my life where the PTSD was so bad, I didn't know if I could go on living. So I've always been writing, mm. even as a kid. Are are any of those older stories that you wrote
1: while you maybe you were in the Marines, or I- is any of that worth trying to get published now?
3: No, and a lot of the stuff... <laughs> I probably shouldn't, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, no, I, that's all very personal stuff. Yeah. yeah. But there's there's parts to it that com- I, I published a, I used to write short fiction. I haven't done it in a while. And I published uh, several short fiction pieces that are are military in style and, and what their focus is. And they are fiction, uh, but obviously, if you read them, you realize that it's, it's stuff I know something about. Mm-hmm. So I talk about fly fishing and how it saved me. I spent 35 years of my life. Where do you land it? 30. Okay. I spent 35 years of my life carrying at least one, if not two or three weapons at all times every day of my life. Dealing with the worst humanity has to offer. And I've seen an awful lot of death. So not to be a downer. Uh But now I hang out with cool people like y'all and I go fishing. And I drink beer. (laughs) And And
1: not mead because it is. And unfortunately, I couldn't have
3: that pizza with y'all (laughs) because I really wanted it. Nor can I have the other stuff you're talking (laughs) about. You know, Steve,
2: if these guys would have told me something about the pizza, I would have gotten something else. Oh, no. So next time.
3: It was great. I was living vicariously through you. (laughs) I I, I didn't know. I may have to go home because I I make pizza at home now, but I have to make healthy pizza.
1: We (laughs) had pizza (laughs) on our fishing trip. And I didn't think, I didn't know that you couldn't have pizza now.
3: Well, I didn't know back then either because yeah. I hadn't got all the
1: scans I <laughs> said, what's, my, what's going on with my
3: heart? <laughs>
2: well, next time you're next time you're here, if I'm still here and it's my turn to get I food, don't know. The odds, are, <laughs> the odds aren't very
1: good <laughs> for that. Every time I, I have faith in you, Zach. <laughs> I'm a button now. I can't <laughs> leave.
2: That's true. I'm here for good. That's Every true. time maybe, Steve maybe
1: comes on, we have a new uh, third maybe, person hey, on the podcast. Maybe I it's not Steve.
4: You. Maybe it's putting the name on the headset. Maybe we won't put the name on his headset. Uh, well, d- does
1: Whoa, you're wearing the wrong headset. What headset am I wearing? Turn your head.
3: He's got game.
1: Oh. I got Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
3: You're wearing his headset. Oh. oh, so you're the one that's going to go down. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. We won't be able to run the board. Yeah,
1: Who's going to push the button every time someone says bass? They're green, and they <laughs> swim in the water.
3: You know, I was wishing you didn't do that because I was just about (laughs) (laughs) to—I was just about to say they're green and they swim in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Uh, Oh wow! I love it when we go down these. So, see, we can keep laughing, and I'm talking about (laughs) tight writing when on a night that I think I'm going to die. And the thing was, I wasn't scared. I'm telling you the truth. I was pissed off. <laughs> 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 I thought, you know, I'm a Marine. Send me in and let me fight. Don't stick me on a post where you're gonna, <laughs> b- someone's going to blow me up and there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> so, um, wow. yeah, I'm not worried about a fight.
1: <clears throat> Steve, do your ideas when you're writing and doing the uh, column, do they come to you pretty easily? Um, or does it take to a lot to flesh out?
3: No, come straight from God. Okay.
1: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: so uh <laughs> holy words over here. <laughs> I don't know. Um no it I have to say writing flows for me. So uh algebra does not. So I've been solving for y as in Y rather than Y. So, uh, write, <laughs> writing, writing, a little algebra joke. Yeah, know, algebra <laughs> joke. Like, like my, gr- like my grades were in algebra. <laughs> so, X is what. Um. So, no writing flows for me. I have to. I have to write. I write every day, something. Okay. So, and lot
1: When of you research. have a like a Facebook post every day, I was going to say
3: when when people don't realize that when I'm. I do a Facebook post. That's actually me warming up before I start writing. Really? Wow. So I'm doing a little warm-up on Facebook, and the people that follow me, you're you're seeing whatever weird things going through my head that morning over coffee. And so uh, you may have read about my traditions. I have uh, one of my Marine buddies uh, committed suicide two years ago, and uh, before he did, he mailed me an um, ironwood bust of a, Cape Buffalo in Bogo, because that was like my little extra name in the Marines when I was in Africa Corps, and um, and I have a little it's like an hourglass, but it's small, like a minute glass, but I call it a moment glass. So every day when I start my day, I have my coffee and I take the minute glass and I flip it and watch the sand fall down, and it's my little signal that it's starting a new day, and I say good morning Monty to my buddy. Uh. Every morning I do the same thing. I start a new day. So the reason I'm sharing this with y'all is because for all the things I've seen, all the things I've been through, I am an optimistic, positive, grateful, happy person because it's a choice. And that's why I can fish and hook a tree and not catch a fish and still have a great time. And... And I, can <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were laughing. And, and I can, no. I was well, like it's true. <laughs> <laughs> in mean, one of the books I talk about the dendrology of my fishing, all the different species of trees I've caught around the world. <laughs> 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 and, uh, but I also have those days in which I catch bass after bass after They're bass. Oh, They're yeah. <laughs> <in> the <laughs> green, and they swim in the water. They're
2: green, and they swim in the water. said it three times. One more. Go ahead.
0: They're green, <laughs> and they swim in the water. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> no, no, now keep it going. Now keep no going. one's going to read anything. I <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's not true. I'm going to read. I actually I am going to do my very best to read at least Casting seaward Word by, by next week. So I can tell you guys. you read that fast? I mean, that's a week away. Dude, he doesn't <laughs> sleep. Oh, that's true. <laughs> what do you
1: think true. he fills the hours of the day with
2: <laughs> <laughs> on two <laughs> hours of sleep? Yeah. Oh, that's true. yeah, yeah. Wait, what?
1: Dude, you told me you only sleep like three, eight, two or three hours a night. When did
2: I say that? You or said it literally like two or three hours ago.
4: Yeah. Oh, it was a joke. It uh, was a joke. <laughs> I took it seriously because you said you sounded pretty serious. You sounded serious. serious,
1: and I was like, you know, you would be the guy that only sleeps right. two or three hours Honestly, I, I believe I
2: live off of two or three hours of sleep in Red Bull. Do you really I, think I was serious? No, I believe honestly, that. I honestly, I really did believe that. Honestly, I believe that. <laughs> no, no, like five hours of sleep. Five <laughs> or six. It's still a long time to read. I don't know. I think I can do it in a week.
3: Really? I think so, I'm a slow reader. I'm a super slow reader. Yeah. I mean, we'll see.
1: I'm a fast reader. History major, the amount of pages I had to read in college. Do
4: you
3: remember anything? I do remember. Okay. Yeah.
4: That's my thing is I can read fast, but I will find myself having to reread the passage in order to retain the information. So I have to slow it down if I'm going to. I'll reread
2: things if, if... like if it was really good, I'll read it again and read it slower. Mm. Does that make sense? So I'll read it and I'll, I'll like pick up on it. But it, and it's and like so no, it's not even skim. I'll read it and then I'll get through it and be like, wow, I'm gonna read that again. Like you know, it's just mm. if it hits, if it hits right, and from the way you're talking, Steve, I've never spoke to you before, but the way you're talking tonight, going to take feeling, you three
3: months then to read as well. Well,
2: we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I'll do what I can. If I can get it done by Tuesday, well, though. If
3: I ever get invited back again for a fourth time, we'll do it. Well, he won't be here. We'll <laughs> <do> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> nah, he, he's here. He's, he's here, here to stay. stay. He's, he's here, here to stay. stay. He's gonna hang on like a <laughs> bass.
2: Oh, oh, man. You, you man. know he's what? I'll watch for. If I'm not here, I'll watch for the Instagram post, and then y'all will be recording, and you're here, and I'll be right outside that window. Right <laughs> yeah. I'm here.
3: So yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a uh, like a. Casting series Jeopardy next time. Oh, I like that idea. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, let's I, do it. Uh, yeah, I don't know that would be fun. I don't know that I could win <laughs> because, as I told you, I reread my stuff to see what I wrote. So, I think, oh, did I mm-hmm. write that?
2: Well, that just means I'm going to have to buy the, the the middle book by the time you come back and read that one too. <laughs> Let me ask you this. They, they, when kind flow.
1: When you reread stuff that you wrote, do you think to yourself, oh, damn, that was good, or mm, that's kind of cringy. Or is it uh, somewhere in the middle?
3: No, I, I, I've got to say that the, the people listening here don't know <coughs> me. You do know me. Mm-hmm. I don't take myself serious at all, but I do take what I'm doing seriously. It's, it's my heart and soul in those books. And I'm grateful to say that when I've reread them, I've been pleased. Mm-hmm. They've done what I've hoped for. So casting forward has got a different flavor than casting onward, is casting seaward. They're different enough to be different, mm-hmm. but they're similar enough that they they do, pardon the pun, flow one after another. So well, no, I'm I'm I generally I haven't cringed.
1: That's good because that's not how I feel when I read my Facebook <laughs> posts from ten years ago. Oh no,
2: <laughs> the difference is ten years ago you were twenty years old <laughs> and you weren't writing a serious book. It was no. your. Facebook status. I'm like, Crap. What? Just,
1: just what in up, my mind was I thinking? Yeah, Maybe write this just down. Just picked up Jamba put Juice it on the internet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jamba Juice. You think that's I was? A, that's you, what it was. You that's think what I was going Jamba on Juice guy ten years ago? Yeah. Hey, I liked Jamba Juice, dude. Uh,
4: yeah, was oh. good stuff. As you know, middle of Stillwater, Texas, or Sweetwater, Texas, Sweetwater. <laughs> <laughs> Jamba Juice capital of the world. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I didn't um, know that. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Rattlesnakes. That's <laughs> all that's there. Oh, man. Rattlesnakes. I kind of like rattlesnakes. They're cool creatures.
4: There's a big roundup.
3: I don't like roundups. No. Yeah, I don't know. It's where they kill them all, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah w- they're, they're... Another thing, they're dying off like crazy. So i no there's a there's a well i can't tell you about the movie i wish i could tell you more about it but there's there's some things that the main character ike says that are so where i'm at in life you know and uh
1: i'm excited to watch it maybe we'll follow up with you on that
3: yeah there's some things he says and it just really it pulls at my heart cuz it's where i'm at uh when you see enough bad in the world you've got a choice to make you can either become part of that that bad and can become bitter and angry and and dark, or you can choose to be its opposite. And that was an easy choice for me. What do you think helped you make that choice, and what made it easy? Well, I guess it's is who you are to right. some degree. Because
1: yeah. I was going to say, not everybody makes that choice. Yeah,
3: no, they all. don't, and they pay for it. So uh, I think y'all know that I, 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 I jokingly cl- have referred to myself in my facebook pages and things like that is the imperfect texan buddha because <laughs> i do uh it's the full thing is imperfect texan buddha and warrior poet but um and d- parts of the philosophy of buddhism actually does speak to me a lot and one of the things i do tell you is um, you will not be punished for your anger your anger is your punishment you know you think about it mm-hmm. it just steals your life away So as someone who's, I'm getting serious here for a second. I I guess that's what you want me to do. But when you you see how fast life disappears, vanishes. Uh, I wrote a poem once and published it called Things We Saw. And it's about watching someone die. And um, being reminded of that. Once you see life go that fast, you've got choices to make. And my choice is to live a good life, to enjoy every bit of it, to drink the Yingling Lager here and enjoy it, and to hang out with the best people like I am right now—that's an easy choice. What's what's your other choice? Be angry and stupid. <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah. So, no, it was an easy choice for me. Yeah. To to not be angry.
1: Well, Steve, I think that's a really good note to end the podcast on. You're the boss. We really appreciate you coming on. It's um, always a joy and a highlight when you're on the podcast.
3: That's so nice you say.
1: And sure. you're you're welcome back anytime. And uh, hopefully Zach Harris is still around when you come back. Well, you, you know, should
3: <laughs> demand that I'm still here. <laughs> you, you may, you that may, might be a
1: contract requirement.
3: That's why I keep writing books, so you'll keep inviting me back. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to say it because I don't get all emotional here, but
4: <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to write a new book. You can just come join us. Okay. <laughs> You're
1: quite the podcast celebrity. We've been noticing you've been cheating on us with other podcasts.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm a podcast slut. <laughs> <laughs> that's no <laughs> <a> I <little bit. laughs> I think that's also a great
1: note <laughs> <laughs> But there's only one
3: y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: oh. All right, Zach. Uh-huh. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch y'all next week. Thanks again, Steve.
0: Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.